Welcome to Absolute Destiny, a podcast. I'm Autumn. I'm Chesney. And today we have episode 37 of Revolutionary Girl Utena, the one who brings revolution. We are at the penultimate episode of the series. Uh, I'm counting 38 and 39 as one episode because it's like a two-parter. And so this one crams in like three episodes worth of plot development into one episode because we dragged out everything with Toga for the last three episodes. (laughs) (laughs) This episode does uh, come with a content warning for suicide. We will be discussing that later in the episode when we get to that scene. And we just want you to know ahead of time that that is coming. So this was a huge episode. What is your first impression of it? (laughs) The whole time, I was expecting there to be like this big fallout. Like this big dramatic scene of Utana and Anthe fighting. And it was a lot more subtle. Um, Like when they fought, it was in quiet moments where one of them couldn't like mask the feelings of the other. But honestly, like (sighs) I feel like from the very get go, when all of a sudden Anthe blurts out, uh, forgive me, or Gomenasai, which is sorry, I think, normally. Sorry, forgive me. But when she blurts that out, I think it's her, like, immediately wanting to take that moment back that happened the previous night, and you can't do that. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a done deal, mate. Um, yeah, and they never really talk about it, do they? No, they. I thought it was going to be like an all-out fight. Like, Anthe, how could you, blah, blah, blah. Like, because the preview from the last episode was that bit where Anthe goes, don't you know I've always despised you? I was like, oh, God, right in the heart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that one is definitely one of the most mismatched of the previews compared to the content of the episode. Like, I think we kind of get there in terms of like the themes that this episode encircles, but like, you have to really read between the lines to catch that from Anthe in this episode, the way it actually is presented. And it seemed like more than anything, the entire episode was just one big test from Anthe to Utena. I mean, with the exception of maybe one scene where she was actually being genuine um, and was terrified, but <sighs> it was just a lot. And again, like I was just expecting a more direct confrontation than there was, but it was like, we led up to this moment and then it was like all the steam got let out of like a, a popcorn bag or something. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just, Utena's got to process her feelings episode, which I'm not mad at. I mean, it needed to happen. She figured out some important stuff. uh, Yeah. I feel like that's one of the consequences of how much had to get crammed into this episode. Yeah. I feel this goes back to something I said, I think on the show last episode, 
which was that the three-parter about Toga could have been two, and that means this episode could have been two. Yeah. And we got robbed of that with like how fast they move through all of this stuff. It's kind of like emotional whiplash, right? Like we don't even get a chance to process what we saw at the end of last episode. Yeah, no. I mean, it went by so fast and I was like barely, I was holding on for dear life and barely picking up stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So much so that um, after we finished our initial watch, I just, I watched the little bit of the preview just to get some clearer notes and then immediately went back to the beginning and just started rewatching the episode. (laughs) (laughs) So I almost fit in an entire (laughs) rewatch. This episode, though, skips over Utena processing last episode. Like, we as the audience already know all of this stuff. It wasn't shocking to us the way it was the first couple of times that we saw it. But this is a new thing for Utena to have witnessed. And the fact that we never get a chance to see her deal with that, I feel like robs us of a crucial piece of character development, especially the relationship development between Utena and Anthe. They fall into the same pattern they have been in this entire show, which is Utena does maybe a little too much to let Anthe keep her secrets. Yeah. Because at this point, Utena has witnessed something that has to be talked about. It's one thing to plead ignorance before you've seen it or before you know now that she knows there has to be a conversation with anthe about this yeah and i honestly thought at the beginning of the episode when utana was asking akio out on a date i thought it was like cover to try to get him alone to talk about what he just what she just saw and nope It was just a moment for her to try and feel normal, like a normal girl, quote unquote. Yeah, it's just a regular date. Yeah. Yeah, the not talking about what happened in the previous episode bothers me. And the best guess that I can get out of it is just that she, the best interpretation that I can get out of it is just that Utena dissociated. (laughs) Like hard. To the point where she was like, nah, fuck this whole duelist shit and just threw off a ring and, uh, like, was trying to avoid... I mean, it was like... (laughs) It was like the funniest and weirdest couples fight ever because she's, like, coming home late to try and avoid seeing her partner. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess they did again they did fight it was just in like a very subtle like subterfuge kind of way of course they did because that's anthe's turf that's how she fights but i just with how bullheaded and direct utana has been throughout this whole series i'm just really shocked that she didn't go for it sure maybe it shows some growth on her part but now is the time to be direct (laughs) (laughs) especially later with um the suicide attempt like that's also another thing that you can't ignore no um and we'll talk about it when we get there but like as far as that stuff goes there are things that happen where 
you know, it's it's one thing to be respectful and be mindful of people's privacy and, you know, respect when somebody wants to keep something to themselves. But when you witness it or when you're intervening in it already, that makes it your business in a way that you could say, like, it wasn't before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. Okay, so the episode itself opens with a shot of uh, Utena's ring, and we see her as a child. Re like we revisit the scene with her as a child, seeing um, Anthe, you know, being pierced by the the swords, and then we cut to the bedroom, and it's daytime, and Utena is watching Anthe sleep, and. Like we were just talking about, this is the moment where we see her processing at least a little bit what had happened the night before. But her reaction to it is then to take off the ring and drop it on the ground. Like, this is the culmination of the entire end of the world arc up until this point. Her relationship with Akio has developed to a point where now she no longer needs to be a duelist. She has won the last duel. She no longer needs her prince. She has found uh, a person to fall in love with. And so she takes the ring off. Again, I took it as like a a symbolic couple fighting thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, yeah. I mean, like you see in any kind of media where one party in the couple decides maybe this isn't for me and takes their ring off and does some serious thinking about their relationship. I mean, that's what this whole episode was to me. Sure. Was just, yeah, time to (laughs) (laughs) reevaluate. And her trying on the more girlish persona, even though she still called herself um, by Boku. Um, It just felt like it felt like her exploring something else. Like, is this really for me? And also, uh, the person I love has hurt me. Like, that stare across the room, that locked stare, you did that intentionally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And now I got to rethink everything. And again, that's why I think when Anthe sees her the next morning at breakfast, she just blurts out, I'm sorry, forgive me. And I think that like this speaks very much to their youth, that Utena could witness any of what happened and think any of that has to do with her. Yeah. Right? Like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Like as an adult, you see that and the first reaction should be, you're not safe. What can we do to help you? You know, like forget any thoughts of like betrayal or anything like that. Like the first priority should be like, is this person safe? (laughs) Yeah. So I think like a lot of that speaks to their youth as well, that Utna is personalizing this when what she witnessed has nothing to do with her. Right. And Anthe plays into that a little bit as well by apologizing for it. Anthe has nothing to apologize for. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) 
but like that also speaks to the um the victim mentality and the the survivor of trauma that anthe is where she is taking responsibility for something that isn't her responsibility either you know she's taking responsibility for utana's feelings about a thing that anthe was the victim of <laughs> right exactly <laughs> like this is like the 3d chess that trauma makes you play with the feelings <laughs> of others in like keeping them safe from you when you're the one who's in danger. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, but that's how she sees herself as a, like a weapon, basically. Um, and something to be used. Not do, yeah. The show does not do her any favors in that regard in like how about five episodes ago, some four or five episodes ago, it laid a lot of culpability on Anthony's shoulders for this entire scenario. Mm -hmm. which is where I said at the time, like the abuse metaphor kind of breaks down. Yeah. Cause the show kind of engages in a little bit of victim blaming here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I totally agree about it shows their age and immaturity and how they handle this because Utena's why is Utena's like knee jerk reaction? Hey, Akio, let's go on a date. Like, I just saw you assault yeah. someone. <laughs> Let's go on a date. I, what? Yeah, I don't I, even know that that speaks to the immaturity. I feel like that's like the writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the writer for the last three episodes and the writer for this episode were just not talking about what would be in the episode. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> because, yeah, like the emotional whiplash there feels very much like committee writing and i just don't know how somebody would would come to that conclusion unless it's being written like i love you and i'm willing to overlook this which like whoa <laughs> i don't think that was the goal that we were going towards okay so i had to look this up okay. um and yes actually the writer for the last episode and this episode, the head writer was different. Uh, Ryoi uh, Tsukimura wrote last episode and the one before. So like the um, the Toga episodes, that was one writer. Yoji Enikido, the head writer for the show, is the one who wrote this episode. Okay. So I would buy the meta reason for this being that they weren't fully aware of what the other was writing because ain't no way <laughs> God, the, the emotional whiplash between the end of last episode and the beginning of this one is so stark. Like I can't imagine the same writer writing that as continuous scenes. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense to me to, yeah, like <laughs> looking this up and seeing that the last two episodes were written by someone else on the team and the head writer took over for the conclusion of the show. That makes perfect sense. Somebody took over playing God, basically. Well, that's one of the things that happens on shows that have multiple writers take over and swap uh, writing roles when you don't have what is now known as the showrunner position. Yeah. Uh, this is a more common thing that happened in shows made up through about 2000 
2008, 2005 to 2008, uh, where you would get these massive ratcheting back and forth of the emotional tone of a series because different writers would take the lead on different episodes. And then they would typically a writer's team would come together and all review the episode together. But the episode is already written at that point and may already be shooting or may already be animated, partially animated. Um, and so there may be only limited ways to, to change it by the time the whole group sees what's going on. Um, and so like you would get episodes that would lurch back and forth emotionally where the tonal mismatch from episode to episode is stunning. That's what's going on here. And I would totally buy that they weren't, they literally were not on the same page with what they were writing for the characters. Yeah. So then they're at breakfast and Akio asks if something is bothering Utena. And of course, like, this is the forum in which to discuss this. All the relevant people are present. But I don't blame her for not wanting to have that conversation with Akio present. Yeah, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, she says that she can't discuss it. And like, you know, isn't it normal for people to have secrets? And Anthe kind of agrees with her. And it's super fucking awkward. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like then she turns around and asks Akio on a date as if nothing had happened. And I'm like, that part I don't buy. Like, I don't buy that moment. Yeah, me either. And the last thing of the scene, or Utena asks Akio on a date, but is interrupted by Anthe feeding Choo Choo. <laughs> <laughs> And after they've agreed on their date and she's swooning, walking out the door, um, Anthe makes that choo-choo sound again, which is the onomatopoeia for kissing. <laughs> it's so funny because I was like, what noise is she trying to make? I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then we get the student council scene for the episode and it's um, Toga and Sionji riding a bike that's been made to be stationary. <laughs> uh, and Toga's the only one pedaling and exerting real effort. Sionji's yeah. just like relaxing on the back. Uh <laughs> yeah, he's not even sitting in a seat. He's no. like sitting on the wheel guard. <laughs> yeah. Uh and they're talking about how they got letters from the end of the world. It's a farewell letter. Um, and Toga says, oh yeah, but I bet she got a, a letter too, one that's quite different from ours. And while they're having this conversation, it's intercut with shots of the bedroom and we see Utena's boy's uniform spread out on the bed and we get a shot of her showering and getting ready. And as the boys are talking... Sionji asks, like, do you think she's figured out who the end of the world really is? I really don't think that she's put it together at this point. I don't think so. Or I could she's very willfully ignoring the signs. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, right now she doesn't really want anything to do with dueling and the whole sh- like Rose Bride stuff. So um, I don't really think that she cares. And sure. it's funny. It's funny because um, Toga and Sionji are talking about, uh, oh, but the revolution doesn't interest her. The power of Dios will remain sealed. The revolution won't happen. And it's like, buddy, you have no idea. <laughs> she could not be less interested in this stuff right now. And it's not just because of what y'all think, which is her being in love with Akio as a per a man, a person, not like a metaphorical or mythological prince. Um, or even her having feelings for Anthe. It's just like all the internal chaos that's going on within her right now of trying to process what she just saw last night. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, man, I'm not interested in this bullshit. <laughs> so then we get the date where, you know, the car is zooming. Anthea is tending to the flowers and makes that choo-choo sound again. And then we see the car returning to Otori Academy and it's night. Akio comments on Utana not wearing her ring. And she says that she doesn't feel like it suits her anymore. And he says that he can give her a ring more suited to her new look. And he teases her about looking like a girl tonight, which is similar to what Mickey and Jury have been talking about in the previous episode. And, you know, he climbs on top of her. And just like back in episode 33, her first thoughts go to Anthe. Yeah. And she speaks up about wondering about Anthe in that moment. And he stops. I mean, I do wonder why he stopped, but I'm grateful that he did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, hmm, why? But also don't really want to push into that any further. (laughs) (laughs) And she comments that he hasn't talked about the stars all night. And he says, the stars don't interest me. Yeah, he's like, shall I reveal the awful truth? And she's like, what? <laughs> the stars don't interest me anymore. Okay, drama king. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I think he was probably thinking about revealing that he was the end of the world and then was just like, nah, I'll just say something else. Do you, do you really think he was about to say he was the end of the world? Yeah. I do not. I, I don't buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he still chose to reveal something true. Oh, uh, that I believe. But in favor of, I think he was just going to say something else. I think he was saying that the stars don't interest him as a way of flirting with Utana. As in like, ah, like you're more beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can see that. And then their date ends. She goes back upstairs to their room and is surprised that Anthe's awake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're up. Um, And then they kind of have a conversation and Utena asks Anthe if she's mad at her and Anthe's response is about what? And Utena goes, of course you'd say that. (laughs) 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 If this was, um, read like if they had read the lines in a different tone or inflection of voice uh it could have been read very differently like you could take these exact words and make it like 
way more passive aggressive. I am curious what they did with the dub at this point. Oh. I'm going to pull it up right now and listen to it. I know. I'm like, should we look? Okay, hang on. So episode 37 dub on YouTube. Um, we are... We are at six minutes, 50, 54 seconds. Okay. Yeah, that is pretty passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> they did lean into that with the dub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that definitely is. But again, rather than dwell on their actual feelings or talk about their relationship, Utana moves right on to talking about herself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she muses about how she thinks that Akio might have been making fun of her by calling her girlish or saying that she looked like a girl. And and she wonders, like, what does that even mean? And Anthe starts to answer. And there's this flash of the Rose Bride being crucified by all the swords. And Anthe says, in the end, all girls are like the Rose Bride. And then she takes Utana's hand. Because, you know, they're just good friends. <laughs> Purely. They're, ju they're just gals being pals. Mm -hmm. They're just best friend roommates. <laughs> according to uh, historians. <laughs> and um, she says, if you go to the castle tonight, you'll meet your prince. So clearly we are now coming down to the end. I guess... You know, in thinking about this, in this episode, Anthe offers her, I don't even want to say offers her the choice, because she really only offers her a choice at the very end of the episode. But she presents this idea to her at least twice in this episode of, if you go to the castle, you'll meet your prince. And I guess Anthe's so swept up in the framework of the game that she also cannot see things operating or happening any differently other than the person goes to meet the prince freeze the spell kind of like fairy tale ending kind of thing and anthe is just the bystander of it all which is really sad yeah like she's preparing to be abandoned again yeah and again, like, offers it up to her at least twice, which I get because, like, people with abandonment issues tend to want to, if you're going to abandon them, you they want it to be on their terms. <laughs> um, There's but, like, a, oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I don't remember what I was going to say. There's a real tragic beauty to this scene, though, also. Yeah. Where Anthea's reaching out, literally reaching out to take hold of Utana and then has to slip back into being the Rose Bride to inform Utana about what's at stake. Where she says, tonight's the night. If you go to the castle, you'll meet your prince. She says this knowing full well that Utana could go there and choose to go meet her prince which would, in essence, be abandoning Anthe. And by abandoning, I mean using Anthe as the Rose Bride 
to access the power that is sealed within the castle. Mm -hmm. She's offering to Utena, you can do the thing that has been promised to you from the very first episode and once again treat me like an object. Yeah, I mean, she's fully ready to sacrifice herself yet again for someone else and someone else's happiness. And partly because of the narrative structure of all of this, of course Utena's gonna go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're not like at that level of deconstructing the narrative (laughs) 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 where like, she just like fucks off and is like, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, But also in the way that she's presenting it, there's almost like a level of forgiveness in it. Like her acceptance of her role is so complete that she can forgive Utena for what she's about to do next. Which is really heartbreaking. The irony, of course, is that, like, even the other option of just not going would, of course, still leave Anthe trapped in this situation. Exactly. It still continues the cycle of violence. Like, there's no option available to Utena in which she can help Anthe without doing the thing that plays into the abuser's rules. Mm-hmm. Like she either proves him right or abandons her and proves him right. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's a Xanatos gambit. Like Utina can't win here in terms of like any choice she makes is going to hurt Anthe somehow. Yeah. And so Anthe chooses forgiveness. At least that's my read of that scene because she doesn't say it with a tone of voice like, like she's not robotic in how she says it. And it's also not passive aggressive anymore either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even wrote in my notes, um, keeping up the act until the very end, which is like you said, the dedication to the Rose Bride role. It's just really fucking sad. <laughs> yeah. So the um, next bit is really interesting. And I use that word very lightly <laughs> <laughs> because it's just uh for some reason, Akio, Sionji, and Toga talking and taking pictures of each other. And every time one of them takes a picture of the other one, their shirt like blows open <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> um, And they're in that weird, I don't even like mirror dimension kind of space <laughs> where they're on like a mirrored platter um, that's on a pyramid of cars and they're taking pictures with the car. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to understand that. I want to point out though, in that shot, in that scene, we see the planetarium projector also. Oh. So just like last time, they're on that platform and there's not just the cars and all of that with the, the, the photographs and everything. There is also the planetarium projector. Oh, shit. You're right. What does that mean? <laughs> like half real, half not real space. Uh, the, the thing. The thing that 
I'm kind of taking away from this episode as one final, like, <laughs> tinfoil hat conspiracy theory <laughs> is I feel like it's almost like there's um, two realities happening at the same time. And sometimes okay. they like overlay or overlap with one another. And there's a couple of things in this episode that point to that. Um, one is this planetarium car scene, um, which just just bending the rules of reality to like intermix them. Well, this um, isn't the first time we saw it. We saw it two episodes ago in episode 35 as well with... Akio and Toga doing a similar photo shoot on top of the Pyramid of Cars. The projector was there also, and I know I called attention to it then as well. Okay. I just forgot the projector was there last time. Yeah. Um, there's just, there is something else at play here that we just still don't quite know or understand. And again, I don't know if it's like two realities overlapping one another um being able to rewrite um like the laws of physics i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um but you see it in a couple other scenes um two at least that i can think of off the top of my head the one where it's just akio and anthe in the car and you get a flash of her with all of the swords sticking out of her in the car not like where she was hanging uh, when Utena saw her, she's in that car with all of the swords sticking out of her right there in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then there's one scene for sure, but maybe two after that, where the camera does a slow pan and shows the scene and then does it again. And they're not there. So, they do it when Utena and Anthe are talking in the space where they eat breakfast each morning. Mm-hmm. And then the camera resets and they're not there. And then the camera comes back and resets again, pans, and they're there again. So I don't know if it's symbolic, just purely we symbolic. Also get that, we also get that shot uh, with the suicide attempt. Yes. Thank you. I knew it happened at least one other time. Um, so I don't know if it's purely symbolic of Anthe wanting to do or say something and not physically being able to, like the reality will or somebody won't let her, or if it's again, like these different realities overlapping one another. I just don't, I don't know. I don't have the final piece of information. And so that's my, what may be my final tinfoil hat conspiracy theory for revolutionary girl Utena. The irony of this is that I can say with absolute certainty that as of a couple episodes ago, but definitely by this episode, you have enough information to figure out the ending. You are unlikely to do so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, All of the foreshadowing is there for what is coming. And it sounds like from this last conspiracy theory, you might not have gotten there. Yeah, I will probably say, not. 
at one point, one of your conspiracy theories on this show was dead on correct. <laughs> and then I've... you abandoned it and moved on to other ideas. <laughs> I mean... And I will give you another big hint. It sadly was not aliens. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, because that one's true. <laughs> There's no way to debunk it because it's truth. Um, no, I'm joking. But I do still stand by. I don't remember when I said this, like what episode specifically, but I do still stand by my long rant theory that Anthony's going to have to make a choice and she's not going to choose it. Like I, I'm really scared. I don't think this show has a happy ending. Um <laughs> I just don't. I don't think. I don't think Anthony's like ready to break the cycle. She, I think a part of her wants to, but she's just not there yet. And that's out of all the conspiracies that I've made besides um, vampires, aliens, and <laughs> <laughs> and that. That's really the only one, or the only ones that I remember. I can't wait until we watch next episode and I can finally share with you the super spoiler heavy uh, AMV that got me into this show. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And gave me the idea that this was a show about vampires because the AMV focuses a lot on roses, swords, and coffins. (laughs) That is some vampire shit. You can't tell me otherwise. Anyway. Correct. (laughs) Anyway, um, the scene itself. (laughs) Yes. So basically, they're just debating um, about like what's going to happen next. And Toga is putting his bet down that Utena is not going to do it. She's not going to go through the gate. She's not going to confront whatever is there in the castle because she has no reason to do so anymore. She has a real man and doesn't need her fantasy prince anymore. And when he says fantasy prince, the camera, like the shot, they do like a camera snap of a photo and it flips from Akio in his chairman outfit to Akio in his prince outfit. And the look on Akio's face there is a little ambiguous. Like, I think in that moment, the fact that Toga doesn't know that Akio is the prince, I think Toga's assessment hurt him because it reminds him that he's not the prince anymore. Probably. Like he puts on the outfit and doesn't feel it. Yeah. I I mean, motherfucker has the ego the size of like Uranus. So like, yeah, (laughs) it probably did hurt his feelings. (laughs) He also says she hasn't made a choice yet, which is true. She hasn't gone to to the castle yet. She's stalling, which I get it. Still processing. (laughs) Um, And she gets out some of those feelings (laughs) by playing a, a game of basketball and absolutely getting the best slam dunk that we've ever seen on this show. (laughs) (laughs) she puts so much force behind that thing but she's really distracted too like she's not focused Mm -hmm. on the game 
No, she's like channeling her feelings about something else. And it's intercut with the conversation that she's having with Anthe, where Anthe says, it seems my brother loves you too. So we're picking up like mid-conversation here. And Anthe expresses that she wishes that they could stay like this forever. (sighs) And that is such a loaded sentiment, right? Because she can't be helped if nothing changes. Right. If things change, she might be hurt by what comes next. Whether that is Utina abandoning her, the cycle starting all over again, or, you know, Akio taking revenge somehow, or even just like the abuse continuing. Right. right? Yeah, I mean, it's become so normal for her. Like, it's become so normalized for her that she's just like, yeah, I wish we could all three stay like this forever. The idea that she and Utana could be together away from here doesn't even enter her mind. Nope. And then we see Utana tear up the letter that she gets from the end of the world. And the draw doesn't show her eyes, but boy, does she look pissed. From her stance to the way that her just her mouth is drawn, um, she's upset. I thought she was determined. Like, Anthe wished to, for this to stay like this forever. So what does Utina do? She tears up the letter from the end of the world. Like, my girl said she wants things to stay the way they are. I'm not going to go to the castle. Oh, that's an interesting interpretation. Yeah, like that was how I read that was Anthe says she wants this to stay the way it is. Going to the castle means changing things, revolutionizing the world. You can't have a revolution without change. You have a revolution to change things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so Utina turns her back on the potential of the revolution in order to give Anthe what she wants. Mm. And then the tension is broken by Jury and Mickey arriving. And... Utina asks if they're there to challenge her to another duel. And they're like, nah, we got letters from the end of the world saying that that everything's done. You're the one who's going to revolutionize the world. And this entire scene where they're playing badminton, they're not even like playing. They're just kind of like bouncing the birdie back and forth between them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not even a real game. Um, No, no net, no nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like a really sweet moment that shows how their relationship has shifted over the course of this show. Yeah. And she really has become friends with these people. Even though they all started out as rivals, they've all lost multiple times now. (laughs) (laughs) And this entire conversation shows that the change is already happening. Utina doesn't even have to go to the castle. The cha- she has already brought change to the school. We see uh, Mickey talk about how um, his thoughts are of Utina rather than Anthe. Mm-hmm. Jury asks for a picture of Utina for her locket to replace the one of Shiori. And notably, in both of those cases, 
Kozue witnesses what Mickey is saying, and Shiori witnesses what Juri is saying, and both of them seem okay with it. Like, they don't show up and hassle them for it. Like Everyone seems like they're about ready to start moving on from the things that kept them trapped here. Yeah, and Juri's line about all I ever did was think about myself and all that I know is that all I can think about is myself. Like she's seeing the selfishness in her obsession with Shiori. Yeah, finally having a moment of self-reflection. Yeah. And it's it's not like <laughs> completely rocking her world like it did at the end of her last duel. <laughs> <laughs> she's not going to have a breakdown over this one. She still says, like, why can't I let I set my feelings free? Yeah. Uh, so she's still not there yet. But already she is uh, <laughs> to use a term from from counseling, she's moved from pre-contemplation of change to contemplation of change. She's not <laughs> changing yet, but she's not rejecting the idea of change anymore. Yeah. Which is big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's one of the hardest steps to take. Anytime you want to make your life better, you have to make the first step of at least acknowledging that change is possible and starting to envision what that would be. We saw a moment ago, Anthe's not there yet. She isn't picturing a life outside of a Tory Academy yet. We're going to see in a couple of scenes that that is starting to shift for her as well. But like, she's still playing the part of the Rose Bride. Yeah. And Jury asks her, what are you going to do with Anthe? You love her, don't you? And Utena tries to brush it off. She like laughs and says, well, you know, like not the type of love that you know. Um, not to say that your feelings like aren't pure, <laughs> even though it was a little shady. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> it was, but it wasn't intentional. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's, She's struggling to acknowledge that her feelings are more than friendship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a hard admission <laughs> to oneself to be like, yes, you are gay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that person that you thought you just really liked as a friend. No, it's deeper. And Nanami shows up declaring that they've all been tricked especially utana they've all been tricked by the rose bride and it's revealed here they, they point out that she's not wearing her student council uniform anymore and she's not wearing her ring anymore nanami after witnessing anthe and akio has come to the same conclusion that utana has for different reasons they have both now abandoned the dueling game they are rejecting the game they're going back to, well, Nanami is going back to living her life as she was before she became a student council member and a duelist. Utana is starting a new chapter of her life, one that doesn't include her ring, the obsession with the prince, all of that. And once again, Nanami warns Utana about Anthe. This is the second clear, direct warning that Utana has received about not letting her guard down around Anthe. 
First, it came from Toga in the last episode. Now it's coming from Nanami. Yeah, she includes the chairman in that one, too, which is interesting because Nanami says the chairman and Anthe and Toga said the end of the world and the Rose Bride. So it's like you got two warnings. Yeah. (laughs) You should be able to put it together by now. And she tells Utna to stop butting into other people's business. And Utna turns right around and says, Aren't isn't that exactly what you're doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> they have this moment where Utna points out that people with blood type B are prone to obsessiveness. And Nanami points out that she also has blood type B. So we're back around to the idea of these two being mirrors of one another, where they're both blood type B. They both have been on this protagonist arc of their own. They have both, at this point, witnessed the truth about Akio and Anthe and have come to a totally different uh, understanding of like the situation. It's also interesting how... Um... Nanami is such a clear mirror of Utena in this moment with how direct she is (laughs) (laughs) with the, with all of the comments she makes from the, you don't know when to mind your own business, um, telling her to stay away, like everything, you know, I don't think Utena would have said to someone, stay away from Anthe. Um, Unless it was somebody hurting her, like Sionji or something. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's such a direct mirror. And it really felt like a, this has all come full circle moment for both of their characters. And it was nice to see all of them, like, as friends. <laughs> yeah, nobody leaves that conversation angry. Yeah. Not even Nanami. Nope. So then we get the Shadow Girls, and they are introduced by a title card from the Kashira Shadow Players. So this is another play, explicitly, um, or rather, it's about them as as actors. And so they talk about how, um, like, the arc of one's life of becoming an actress in film, uh, kissing being thrust into the limelight and scandal and who would want that? Okay. Maybe just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is a conversation between Aiko and Biko. And one of them says they found the other's application for an audition. And the other is like, can you imagine this? A A girl from our drama club trying out for a movie. I'd be laughed at. And the other says that she would never laugh at her. And like, we must be true friends. And then they go in for a kiss for one another, but are interrupted. <laughs> so we've got like an Utna and Anthe parallel going on here. Mm-hmm. And they're interrupted by Seiko, who is playing the, the judge who is going to uh, like the director, the person who's going to be doing the, the casting. And the one who's going out for an audition decides to up her chances by asking the judge out on a date. And 
He basically says, call me daddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And by the way, only one can be chosen. Mm-hmm. And so in this love triangle that we now have that mirrors Utna, Anthe, and Akio, Utna has to pick one of them, right? Like, yeah. And also, like, they're saying, like, the judge, the person doing the casting can only choose one of the two. Only Utna or Anthe will come out of this ahead, is the other implication there. Yeah. Yeah, the line of only one girl can be chosen at the audition, meaning either Utena's the prince and saves Anthe the princess, or Utena reverts to being more girly, being the princess and being chosen by her prince. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we... <laughs> And then we get um, the arguably the wildest scene in this episode, um, which, again, like I mentioned earlier, is Akio and Anthe driving in the car. And Anthe sounds like she's in pain. At first, it kind of tries to pass off as like a moan. And then Akio says something about, oh, are you in pain? Well, I'm not the one who causes it. The world does. And they're driving on the school road with all of the lampposts. And there's a flash where they drive in front of a, like a bright white light. And when they do, it looks like maybe they're both naked, I think. It didn't look like they were wearing clothes. But Anthea's got all of these swords puncturing her body. Um. No blood that we can see, but just a reminder that this is her situation. She is still very much in pain and daily. You know, speaking like metaphorically, he's in control. Mm -hmm. He's the one driving the car. She is helpless in this scenario. And he's driving angry. Yeah, he is. And and is blaming her. Yeah, like you did yeah, this to like, yourself. <laughs> like no, he says I'm not the one who caused this pain, the world did. We don't get her saying any of that. No. This is him projecting all of that onto her and assuming that that's what she's thinking such that this is a one-sided fight that he is having with his imagined version of her. Yeah, I mean, arguably she's like barely present. I mean, she's in so much pain that she cannot think or form words. So it's um, rough. And very notably, it's another example of him refusing to take responsibility for anything. Correct. He refuses to take personal responsibility for this situation. Yeah. Like you said, he is absolutely in control. Metaphorically and literally speaking. He could stop this at any time and chooses not to and blames her instead. Yep. So then we get the Cantarella scene. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite scenes in the show. <laughs> uh, it starts out with Utna asking Anthe what she wants from the future. 
what does she want uh, to do with her life after graduating? Like at first, Anthe's reply, like she doesn't even understand the question. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean future? It's going to be the same. And even her answer after Utana explains, she's like, as long as I can raise roses, I'll be fine. And Utana suggests, okay, well, maybe be a florist then. Mm-hmm. And Anthe replies like, that'd be nice. But clearly, like, this isn't a forward-thinking kind of situation. This is, like, the first time it has been put to her, what if life was different than this? What if there was a future where tomorrow does not look like today? Yeah. And so, circling the same thing that we have been this entire episode, we have the conversation about the poison. (laughs) Anthe innocently asks if Utna has ever heard of Cantarella, which is a type of poison that the Borgias used. And um, the Borgias are a pretty wild family. There's like a number of TV series about them. It's like real life Game of Thrones shit. Um, (laughs) One of them becomes Pope. Uh, His son becomes, I want to say like Count of something. Cesare Borgia, the son of the Pope, uh, he's the one who is thought to have been the the face model for portraits of Jesus from like 1500 onward. Oh. So like all those pictures of Jesus as a white dude, those are based on Cesare Borgia. (laughs) (laughs) But this was a family that was famous for like cutthroat politics. literally will do anything for power uh, right up there with like the Medici's. So Andy discloses that she has baked the cookies herself, leaving Utina to connect the dots that this conversation about poison and baking the cookies may be more related (laughs) than, (laughs) than at first glance. Um, And so Utina replies that, oh, what a coincidence. I poisoned your tea. And so what does Anthe do? She takes a sip of the tea. And then Utina takes another bite of the cookie. And Anthe says that the tea is delicious. Utina says the cookies are also. And so much of their relationship is summed up in this situation where they are teasing one another about I would say, like, a genuine danger. Like, there <laughs> is a decent chance Anthe could have poisoned the, the the cookies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't <laughs> think she... I didn't think she was kidding. I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Here it comes. <laughs> yeah. The passive aggression has finally risen to actual aggression. <laughs> but in the most passive-aggressive way, poison. Yeah. <laughs> And so uh, instead of having an open conversation about their feelings, they have this veiled humor way of like dodging the issue. Like, wouldn't it just be easier if we killed each other? (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that it speaks volumes about their relationship like you said 
but also not- the closeness of their relationship, right? Like, yeah, I joke about murdering my best friend. <laughs> we have like a long, long 20 years running joke about sending assassins to murder the other one. <laughs> so like, whenever we're celebrating a birthday, it's like, oh shit, the people I hired suck. You managed to survive another year. <laughs> um, like, that's the vibe I get from this conversation also, is that like, it's a joke, partly because they wouldn't poison each other. But we as the audience know that like, Anthea is definitely capable of it. <laughs> uh-huh. It speaks to their trust in one another, but also, I feel like if you want to read into it a little bit, like you said, with the, oh, let's just poison each other and die, you know, like, it's kind of like, I know this thing is bad for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like, oh, yeah, you told me this has poison in it? Cool. I'm just going to do it anyway for your sake. Yeah. And also, like, coming right on the heels about a conversation about the future. Hey, what if we don't have a future? Yeah. Wouldn't that be easier? Like, it's cute. It's adorable. It's also a little toxic. Just a little. (laughs) Just a little. It makes me a little worried for them. (laughs) It also speaks to, like, the, the toxin that is within their relationship right now, which is them not talking about what has happened and what is happening. Mm-hmm. So then Anthe turns it around on Utena and asks Utena what she wants to see in the future. Where, where does she see herself in 10 years? And Utena says probably the most romantic thing in this entire show, <laughs> having tea together with you like this. Content warning, we're going to talk about the suicide scene coming up. From that conversation, we have a smash cut to Anthe on the ledge, the wind howling, and her about to jump. And Utna kind of angrily asks her, are you just going to run? So now we're taking what they were joking about a moment ago, and it has been made deadly serious. Yeah. Anthe doesn't see a future for herself. For her, tomorrow looks exactly like today. And today sucks. And so the idea of thinking about the future means thinking about this situation never ending. And so she tries to take her life. Luckily, Utna is there to catch her. Yeah. And like, Anthe during this is like, it's no use, forgive me, just let me go. And Utana's still fighting for both of them. She's like, don't we have a tea date in 10 years? Like, you can't go. Yeah, and it's telling that this is really the most vulnerable, emotionally honest moment that Anthe has. Yeah. Utna is finally unable to look away from what all of this is doing to Anthe. So the scene then cuts to Utna standing in the threshold of the archway leading to the dueling arena. Like the stairs down to the courtyard that you have to cross to get to the forest. And it starts out with her in silhouette, like triumphantly now 
willing to go challenge the monster in the forest for Anthe. Toga and Sionji are there. And Toga admits that he didn't think that she'd be doing this. She didn't, he didn't think that she'd go. Mm-hmm. And he says that anyone who believes in true friendship is a fool. And he says this with Sionji right fucking there. <laughs> like, God. <laughs> like, holy shit, dude. Your best friend is standing right there. <laughs> I mean, Sionji knows this about him, though. Yeah, they- yeah. <laughs> there, there's just hate fucking at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they've, from the conversations, I think they've resolved some stuff, but Toga's still got his hangups. And so does yeah. Sionji, to be honest. <laughs> um, so Utena replies, don't you know, I am the fool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, Utena, we've all known that. we we love you anyway but yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so then we get a voiceover of Anthe reading a letter the time has come when you pass through the rose gate the path to the castle will open there you will gain the power to revolutionize the world and there and there we will meet once more signed your prince and just like in the end of Back to the Future, she hands Utena the taped up letter. <laughs> yeah, which it's kind of sweet. Also, again, like a little heartbreaking, <laughs> but just a sweet gesture that she like, she took the time to tape it back up for her. What gets me like this gets me right in the gut is Anthe tapes up the letter to give to Utena to send her into the dueling arena for the final confrontation. I know what's coming next. I know what this costs Anthe to do. And it's like, holy shit, this is a hell of a choice to make. But she is there. I would say both as Utena's girlfriend and the Rose Bride in this moment. Like, the girlfriend part of her is like, Go get him, champ. And the Rose Bride <laughs> part of her is, yes, you have to go there and, and confront what is coming. Mm-hmm. And yes, it will cost me, but you need to do this. And yet, Anthe extends the letter and Utena doesn't take it. She lets it fly out of Anthe's hand and takes her hand instead and just says, let's go. So to me, there's her choice. Yeah. She's not going for the prince. She's going for Anthe. Yep. And little does Utena know that she's still playing by the rules of the game. And those choices were a false choice to begin with. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, like emotionally, <clears throat> it's a hugely resonant moment that she chooses Anthe over the prince. Yeah. Thank God. I mean, if there was one thing that this episode was trying to build up and do, and that Akio was trying to build up and do, it's have her choose him as the prince. Yeah. Thank God she's choosing Anthe. (laughs) (laughs) It only took us 37 episodes to get here. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, If you had not seen this show all the way through yet. 
Do you think at this point in time, Utena actually remembers how she got the ring? Do you think she remembers seeing Anthe strung up, crucified at this point in the show? I think she does. I think she, yeah, I think so too. When she woke up or if she never slept that morning <laughs> at the very beginning yeah, is, of the episode. Is, is Utena running on like hour 37 of being awake at this point? <laughs> <laughs> like she had her date with Akio then there was that night, and then there was the suicide attempt, and now it's the day again. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has she been running with no sleep since the the <laughs> night she witnessed Anthe and Akio? <laughs> when the letter flew out of Anthe's hand, it wasn't a choice. She just f- had, like, a micro nap. <laughs> yeah, like, everyone at this point has been up for two days straight. <laughs> yeah. Except for Akio, because he's comfortable with everything that happens. So he sleeps like a baby. Right. So what are your predictions for next time? So Anthe says, um, she apologizes. Utena's like, you don't have anything to be sorry about. This is what I've chosen to do. And Anthe says, but you still don't know the truth about this world. The true horror of this world. Uh, I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's just like the fear of growing up, you know, that's intertwined throughout the show that's coming into play here. I don't know if some like eldritch horror is going to be pulled out at like the last minute here. Uh, Fuck if I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I do know that they hold hands again, which is very sweet. So imagine the climax of this show. <clears throat> what do you think that climax will entail? Okay, so they're going to the castle. So they're gonna go, they're probably gonna go up through the elevator, if I were to imagine. Although it actually would be cute if they would go up the stairs together. I feel like that's more symbolic. Um but they'll probably go up the elevator. Um, we've seen the castle like crash down before. I don't think that's going to happen. We've also seen Akio like at a wall of the castle. So it's definitely possible to get up there. Um, I feel like maybe it's like a draw the sword out of Anthe, like use it as a keyblade to unlock the door <laughs> of the castle type thing. Um, and then, here comes Akio, ready to ruin everything. Whether um, he's like inside the castle already or not. Um, I feel like at this point, the power of Dios is entirely metaphorical. Um, I know we saw somebody trapped in there. Um, but I, I feel like that was more metaphorical now. I don't think, I think that bitch is empty. I think Akio has been in there this whole time, you know, like been able to go in there. I think that his actual princely persona is just not accessible to him anymore. It doesn't matter if the castle door is unlocked or not, if he can get in there or not. I think that that part of him is just gone and he can't accept it. And again, he blames Anthe, but I don't think it's her fault. Um, 
seems more like a choice that he made. But anyway, um, yeah, I think she's going to open the door and it's just going to be him. And it's like, surprise, I'm the prince the whole time. Uh, but again, the power of Dios has been metaphorical this whole time. There is no like princely version of Akio anymore that's actual, that's authentic and real and genuine anymore. Um, so I think they're going to fight. That's just me. I think it would be fitting if there's one more duel. Um, okay. I don't know if... Okay, who wins that fight? I don't know. Uh, no, you gotta pick one. 50-50 <laughs> well, here's the thing. So, there's only one Rose Bride. So, I think they're probably both gonna pull swords out of her. Um, and it's probably gonna leave her just about dead. Um, I mean, she's got a hundred or so swords to, to pull, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of swords to pull out of her. <laughs> uh, that's true. That was super so grim. Not. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, at first I thought you were talking about like, oh, but she's like been, she's had swords pulled out of her like hundreds of times before. And I was like, oh, that's true. And it's like, oh no, you mean like the, the <laughs> all the swords that are crucifying her. Oh what yeah. If, what if all of the swords of Dios that have ever been drawn are just those swords? Oh, God. I mean, it's entirely possible. I think I mean, it, it is that. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense within the canon because, like, now they're being drawn from Utna and we've saw, seen with, like, the Black Rose. Like, the heart sword thing is, is more about, like, fighting spirit than <laughs> literal swords. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... I mean, that's still... I feel like that still has some weight to it, though. But... <clears throat> either way i feel like like you said this is gonna take a toll on anthe i don't think i just don't think one of them is not gonna be able to go through with it either anthe is not gonna be able to let go and see that another future is possible and can happen and reach for utina in that way or utina is gonna see how badly this is taking a toll on Anthe, pushing her to the brink, and she's not going to be able to go through with it. Okay. I just, I don't see her walking away from this with Anthe leaving with her. I just don't. I would love to see Akio slain. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Or maybe it does, and maybe then the final boss is Anthe herself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the final boss is patriarchy. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. You can't kill that by <laughs> killing one person. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. I do. Some part of me is like, I don't know that this will happen, but I do kind of want to see Anthe go apeshit just a little bit. <laughs> she, you, she, She's just been so controlled and uh, like masked this whole time that I'm like, I just want to see you rip it off and lose your fucking mind. Just one time. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of the song by the Carters. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I don't think I know that. Oh wait, uh, yes, I do. Beyonce, Jay Z, yes, Beyonce. I do. Yeah, the Carters. Um, anyway, <laughs> you have a bunch of elements that some of them show up. Some of them are 
similar-ish to what you're talking about. There is one big twist. Actually, there are two big twists that you're not seeing. And I cannot wait to see, like, how you react to them when they happen. Oh, God. um, Like I said, at this point in the show, you technically have all the information you need to predict at least one of the twists. It has been shown to you over and over and over again. But it has been shown in a way that isn't meant to lead to understanding. Like, it's meant to be a surprise. Um, Partly because the show is trying to draw you into the world where all of this makes sense. We said at the very beginning, remember, none of this makes sense. So we're coming up on why none of this actually makes sense. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, lightning round. Um, the dueling platform is secretly a Gundam. Um, <laughs> I just like throw out the craziest fucking ideas like ever. If you've um, seen the new Gundam series, you're not far off. <laughs> <laughs> it oh is heavily God. inspired by Utena. Anyway, continue. That's incredible. No, I have not seen that. Um, there is something with um there's something with the arch though there's something with it like being opened and closed that i haven't quite figured out other than it's relating to like um anthe's heart at the time um that's all i've got um if you haven't figured it out yet scott pilgrim versus the world is revolutionary girl utana just told by a guy oh so she just like fights herself at the end not exactly, but there's a lot of ideas that are coming in this final episode that are played slightly differently, but are still present in all of Scott Pilgrim. So, um, <laughs> also, if you're listening and didn't know that, yeah, oops, um, <laughs> Scott Pilgrim is just a retelling of Utena. Uh, I mean, with other stuff involved too. Like, it's not just Utena, but. There's a lot of Utena in um, Scott Pilgrim. Hmm. Well, knowing me, I'll probably wake up um, from like an epiphany level dream in the middle of the night and just, <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if that happens. So a couple of housekeeping things before we go. As always, you can write into us at Zatai Unmei Pod on Twitter or you can email us at absolutedestinyapodcast at gmail.com. We're also individually on Twitter. I'm at Life in Neon. And I'm at Car Cutie. And just so you know, we are going to be watching the final two episodes together as one continuous episode and reviewing it as one continuous episode. So next episode is going to be a mammoth episode. We might end up having to break it up into two just for the release. Also, we are going to be bringing Carly back for the movie, which we're going to be watching sometime in mid-November and then putting an episode together about that. That's another one where just the length of it, it might end up being two episodes. Uh, we're going to be recording it all at one time, but just so like people don't lose their minds at like a six-hour runtime on 
a podcast, <laughs> we're going to be breaking it up. Yeah. But just to point out, it's going to be a little bit before all that is done. And after next episode, we will be announcing what show we are doing next. So stay tuned for that as well. Whoop, we whoop. are keeping this train rolling. So there will be more of us in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, we've already kind of decided. But if y'all have like some really strong opinions about what we should do next, go ahead and write in. There's still time. We, I would say we could theoretically be persuaded. But our minds are pretty made up. So just so you know, those episodes are coming and they are going to be some big, chonky episodes. We're probably also going to be squeezing in another mailbag because I'm just assuming that the episode that we released today, but right before recording this, is going to provoke some reactions from you all. And I'm waiting for that. <laughs> So that, that would have been last episode. The The one that we recorded previously, we released that the day that we're recording this episode. So we have not gotten the hate mail yet uh, as, of, <laughs> as of recording this today, but I'm still expecting it. And I hope you all didn't disappoint me by not writing anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is our show for today. And we will see you next time. Bye.